Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity, helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times, your host, Gary Kaligas. Good morning, Architects listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only news magazine and radio show for mature adults in Northwest Louisiana. I thank you for listening to our show, but also thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com and also thanking those who might be listening via the Keel application on their Apple and Android devices. We do thank AARP Louisiana and Bears Town and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer, for being the exclusive sponsors of this radio show to provide you with beneficial information each and every Saturday morning. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn how patient outcomes of care and clinical studies reported electronically can benefit us all. So stay tuned to the show for some very interesting information. It is Saturday, October the 29th, and we are broadcasting our show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre recorded, so we will be unable to accept call in questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the November issue of The Best of Times in one of our 270 distribution locations beginning on November 1st. We do thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. Remember, if you're unable to find a printed copy at one of our distribution locations, you can always visit our popular website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues of our magazine. In addition, you can view and download the current 2000. 22 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory. In addition, you can listen to previously broadcast radio shows here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Great news again. Ernest Arlene's has brought back the Best of Times special dinner each and every Thursday from 4.30 p.m. to closing with fabulous meals at a highly discounted price of only $25. It is highly recommended due to the popularity of this Thursday night special to make reservations by calling 318-226-1325. Again, that's 318-226-1325. I want to thank the many, many people who attended our 12th annual Senior Day Expo at the Louisiana State Fair. It was held on Thursday the 27th from 10 a.m. to 2 in the Hearst Coliseum. It was lots of fun, lots of great information shared by our fabulous exhibitors to help seniors and boomers and their family members. Congratulations to the seven Grand Door Prize winners who each won prize packages worth over $1,000 each. Also, congratulations to the over 350 other door prize winners. I want to I want to thank again the State Fair Louisiana for being the co-host along with the Best of Times magazine radio show to offer this Senior Day Expo and this being our 12th annual year to host the Senior Day Expo at the Louisiana State Fair. Also, special thank you to our prime sponsors, AARP Louisiana, the City of Shreveport, Paint Your Heart Out Shreveport, People's Health, Humana, Centerwell, Senior Primary Care, WellCare, Healthy Blue, Aetna Medicare Solutions, and Walgreens. Also, thanks to the 150 businesses and organizations who took time to be exhibitors to provide valuable information to our attendees. Best of Times proudly 
as uh, have proudly won 15 awards, including the coveted the Best of Times Show Award and trophy at a national convention of senior boomer publications held in early September in Las Vegas. We're very proud of this accomplishment because we had to compete against publications throughout the United States and in Canada who are senior publications. Again, kudos to our editor, my wife, Tina Caligas, also our designers, our writers, our contributors for an exceptional job to make these awards possible. Be sure to pick up the October issue if you've not already done so to learn the details about these awards. Again, thank you to our readers and our advertisers. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, probably presented by AERP Louisiana Neighbors and Country Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana Neighbors, Sunny Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Caligas, and I do thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show today as a special guest is Dr. Harsha Rashima, who is the CEO of Jiva Informatics, and he's going to discuss how electronic patient reported outcomes from care as well as clinical studies can benefit everyone. So thank you, doctor, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself and about your background. Um, I am a genomics data scientist, Gary, and what that means is uh, I uh, grew up learning how to analyze human genome sequencing data. Wow. Uh, Coming from a computer science engineering major. Uh, I did my grad school, master's, PhD in computational biology. I grew up in India, Bangalore, uh, in South India, uh, until I was 22, and I came as a foreign student to Virginia Tech. Uh, it's Great been school. I've actually, actually visited that campus. Uh, I went to Louisiana Tech, yes. but I've also had friends at Virginia Tech. Go ahead. That's great. Yeah, it's one of the most beautiful campuses uh, in the country, <laughs> and I'm so uh, proud uh, Hokie. Uh, <laughs> so uh, coming through grad school at Virginia Tech uh, gained a unique perspective uh, as a uh, first-generation immigrant student um, coming through this genetics and genomics, which is so diverse depending on the backgrounds where the ancestry is from and the inheritance patterns and so on. Um, I went to National Institutes of Health soon after PhD and the Food and Drug Administration, where I spent four or five years um, analyzing cancer genomes and retinal disease-related data, all from a computational and data analysis point of view, collaborating closely with uh, biomedical researchers. Um, and uh, along the journey, uh, things happened uh, with my personal life, and I got uh, into a social entrepreneurial mode uh, after that. But uh, since 2012, I have been in industry doing healthcare life science consulting with big pharma, uh, healthcare providers, and other 
clinical research organizations launched uh, several commercial products for diagnosing rare genetic diseases and integrative diagnostics for cancer. And then I started my own companies and non-profit. Wow. How fascinating. You've got a lot of experience and background. I can take that. So uh, so th- this is a field that uh, is probably changing daily, correct? Absolutely. It's a very dynamic and fast-changing, especially in the last three, four years, um, in the pandemic years, uh, dramatic changes have occurred, you know, uh, in an otherwise uh, slow, crawl, walk-and-run type industry where there is a lot of innovation happening, but very little changes when it comes to the routine healthcare delivery goals between a physician and a patient. Much of that innovation um, takes a long time before it actually gets translated to the bedside. So it's a it, it, it's very interesting industry in that there is a lot of new technologies and innovation of a bleeding edge, um, but also very slow at the same time in many of those technologies to actually help the patients. Well, I'm going to ask you this question. I've asked some other guests. I used to be part of the government, so many. I used to be part of the Medicare program many years ago. But I'm also a home health care administrator, and I also have some other health care backgrounds. But I have seen that the government in our country. I love them. We I love our country, but sometimes we're slow at getting things right to the bedside, and we we go through so many tests and evaluations that it's mind-boggling. And in Europe, and you know in India and probably other countries, they get it to the patient uh, much quicker than what we could in the United States. And Do you feel the same way? Uh, not uh, really. I, I actually differ. In that, uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, we actually have a functional government here in the United States, and having worked for the government as a contractor, I gained much appreciation for how um, functional and agile the government is. Um, and in general, governments are slow and inefficient uh, across the globe, and for some good and some bad reasons. Um, but, you know, they have a moral obligation responsibility for the greater public good. And so they want to make sure technologies are given enough time to be vetted out uh, for enough evidence. Um, like the FDA commissioner says, in God we trust, and everything else needs evidence. <laughs> everything needs evidence. <laughs> so if it's if it's a ninety eight percent acceptance rate in, in the clinical trials, that's not enough. It's got to be almost a hundred, right? Uh, not uh, it's not necessarily hundred um, percent or or the actual percent. You know, it, it has to be better than the standard of care, right? Like uh, if you are if patients can get a proven standard of care and get the same benefit as a new clinical trial, which uh, presumably has risks uh, involved as it's an unproven drug or device, why take the additional risk when you are getting the same benefit from something we know already? And and so it, it has to have the potential of being much better than standard of care. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your company and and. And I, I noticed it's an e-clinical platform. So explain to our listeners, it's pretty technical. But and so, so start off with that. I'm going to ask you what it compares to. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, when I was going through my career along the way, uh, I and my wife had a baby born with a rare congenital disease in 2012 uh, called Edward syndrome. And that, uh, um, uh, you know, baby did not survive past uh, day five in the NICU. And oh. that inspired me to uh, learn about 
many rare and congenital diseases. Um, there's there were seven thousand then. Today there are more than ten thousand eight hundred uh, known rare diseases, and ninety percent of them do not have any FDA-approved treatments. And a majority of these uh, patients are uh, small in number for a given disease. But when you take all the ten thousand plus rare diseases combined, it affects more than three hundred million people worldwide. Wow! And that's similar to the number of people with diabetes or cardiovascular disease. And so it was uh, uh, eye-opening uh, and um, experience for me. And uh, coming with that research background already, I decided to apply my years of postdoctoral experience towards uh, addressing some of these uh, unmet needs, uh, in especially in rare diseases. And along the way, that's when I founded uh, Jiva eClinical Cloud, uh, which is essentially addressing a, a major problem, which is the process of bringing new drugs and therapies to market um, is extremely inefficient, uh, takes 10 to 12 years on an average, and um, costs more than $2.5 billion for successful drug. That's because 8 to 9 out of 10 fail Whoa. during the clinical trial process. It that many fail? I did not know that many fail. Wow. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, that's one of the major uh, causes of inefficiency in the pharmaceutical industry is that eight, eight, eight or nine out of ten fail, uh, especially in the late stages. You know, and these clinical trials can be very expensive processes and long and complex. And so, when a drug gets to phase two, phase three, and then fails, we have already lost five to uh, eight years in in that uh, time frame, and now we have to we are back to square one. And kind of that's what happened in Alzheimer's um, in the last few uh, years. Uh, almost all of the drugs in clinical trials failed across the board uh, from multiple companies. And so we are back to understanding the science uh, and so on as an industry. So anyhow, well, the problem that uh, I identified um, is the uh, challenge of um, speeding up this process of clinical trials. And one of the most uh, biggest problem in pharmaceutical drug development is patient recruitment. Uh, and 85% uh, of all clinical trials are delayed uh, by 30 days or longer. And uh, about 30% of clinical trials terminate prematurely uh, as they fail to enroll enough patients. And the, there are a long, long list of reasons why pay, uh, patient recruitment is a challenge. Um, one, the, there is fear that um, what if I am a placebo? You know, I'm, I'm not actually given a drug, but a placebo. And uh, so I'm better off going with the standard of care. The second is what if there are side effects and adverse events that, um, but those are a bit harder to um, address. Um, but in general, there is enough evidence with animal studies and others that the risk and benefit um, are already measured and uh, calculated, so it's better to go with a clinical trial almost always compared to standard of care, because otherwise the FDA would not approve a drug or vaccine or device to be uh, tested in humans. And if we get past that, then the major reason why patients do not enroll is the location of the clinical trial site and oh. the frequency of visits to the clinical trial site. You know, historically, Clinical trials have been conducted in uh, hotspots like Boston, Houston, Bay Area, Chicago, 
Baltimore, and so on. So people live, um, you know, on an average 20 miles from where the clinical trial site is. And so a vast majority of Americans, and let alone the vast majority of the world, is unable to access these clinical trials because of their geographic location. And that's the problem I decided to address is um, how do we uh, enable uh, patients remote access to participate in a clinical trial. Now, one big challenge there is if there is any medical procedure like a, a medical imaging or a therapy that has to be administered or a surgical procedure, uh, that cannot be done remotely and patients have to go to the site. Right. Um, but, but historically, every single visit, irrespective of whether it was really necessary or not, every, every patient visit had to be in person until very recently. And gradually, there has been an uptick in uh, telehealth and remote visits, remote patient reported outcomes, data capture, and so on, which during the pandemic, that was the only way to continue, maintain continuity of any clinical trial. Uh, But now we are kind of getting back to the new normal, and some of those uh, new methods are being uh, adopted and companies are demanding um, uh, better scalable solutions so we can execute clinical trials with patients pretty much anywhere with an internet access with either an occasional visit to the clinical trial site or no visit at all in person. Well, let me follow up there. In the in the other day, older days in the clinical trials, you said they were around certain geographical areas, large cities, uh, yeah. But it all did it also skew the data because they didn't get a good uh, a, a good number of population in the rural areas and maybe ethnicities wasn't involved or et cetera and they had a uh, yes. when that point some of the yeah. factors as well it made it made some of the studies a little bit skewed I mean I I was also uh, part of one they were saying Gary can you help us recruit some African Americans we have so very low percentage in that point. Uh, we we need to get more, and I and I said, well, I'll try to do my best, but uh, you know, some of those studies are skewed based upon some of the individuals that that are part of that study. Is that correct? You are absolutely right, Gary, and you bring up a very important point, which uh, FDA has now risen to the occasion and saying, you know, historically, eighty percent of uh, all clinical trial participants have been Caucasian, male, adults from affluent socioeconomic backgrounds, leaving out most of the other uh, uh, communities as underrepresented in clinical trials. And that absolutely has resulted in potential skew in how these drugs might be actually working well in certain communities where it was tested, but do not work so well in the other uh, uh, underrepresented communities, Uh, like, for example, cardiovascular drugs uh, and cholesterol drugs, they work really well in men, but they don't work equally well in women um, and so on. So that's a well-known, there's a lot of evidence to support that. And children uh, are usually the last to get any drug or vaccine um, (laughs) after all the uh, testing is done on adults. And they are actually the most vulnerable uh, among us, and they need to be the first ones to get and not the last ones. And so there is a lot of underrepresentation not just of race and ethnicity, which is what usually first comes to mind, but like you said, geographic location, age, and gender. 
uh, and other uh, rural geographic locations as well, uh, r- rural and mountainous regions. You know, high altitudes can have hypoxic environments where for certain diseases like uh, motor neuron disease, uh, there is new uh, evidence emerging that um, hypoxic environments might be actually uh, conducive for MND wow. and ALS patients. Awesome. So we need this geographic uh, multiple types of diverse representations to really make sure these testing is done in the um, target populations. Well, hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now we're with our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, pilot presented by AARP Louisiana and Bear Standing Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Bear Sunday Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a special guest is Dr. Harsha Rashima, who is the CEO of Jiva Informatics, and he's discussing how the electronic patient reported outcomes from care and as well as clinical studies can benefit us all over the world. So thank you, Doctor, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thank you for having me. So it's been quite interesting. Uh, it's it's a little bit technical, and uh, I, I can get some of it. Hopefully my listeners uh, will understand the, the importance of this. But explain to them what happened before you came up with this concept of e-clinical platform. How did they collect... I mean, I was part of clinical studies. I remember filling out a lot of paperwork, and I remember definitely going in. I did several, uh, and going in and determining, give it, it was a particular pill or medication, uh, and did I get the placebo or not? You 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 hit the magic word there. Uh, that, you know, all of us were there. Did we get the real stuff or the not real stuff? And did I get side effects from the real stuff or the, or the placebo? <laughs> and that what some of the some of the participants say to you as well? That, that's exactly right. So, you know, uh, traditionally what happened without the technology platforms is uh, that uh, a pharmaceutical company usually gets approval from the FDA to conduct a clinical trial, um, and that trial can now be executed at one or more academic medical centers usually and not at community health clinics. And so these uh, they enroll um, or select sites, um, uh, you know, like I said, in Boston, Houston, and certain major academic medical centers where they have a good chance of enrolling the target number of patients. And once these sites are uh, activated, the site uh, investigators are usually, and their nurse team, they uh, screen patients for the inclusion-exclusion criteria, um, either manually digging into their electronic medical records or uh, through a, a telephone-based uh, calling of patients and screening them, and then inviting patients to the clinic. Um, or when the patients are actually having an appointment, they happen to be an uh, investigator on a clinical trial, and the investigator offers um, hey, you know, here is a clinical trial that might benefit you. Um, would you like to learn more or All consider right. it? And so the chances of that happening was extremely low, uh, like 1% or so. 
wow. of patients would would ever get offered uh, a chance <laughs> to participate. And so then, uh, if they are interested, they would need to review an informed consent with the physician, asking questions about the risk and benefit, and understand what what the effort and burden involved, number of visits and travel. and then make their informed decision whether to enroll or not and that's like 50 pages of uh, paper that they are expected sure. to read in a 15 minute consultation and then maybe take it away and uh, take a day uh, a sleep over it and make a decision within a day and then sign that paper um, uh, with the ink and then um, you know participate in the trial based on the protocol which may be on an average 10 visits per clinical trial over a period of 18 months or uh, plus or minus you know some trials can be 5 years and some trials may be 9 months and so on so that's how it happened uh, traditionally now with the technology platform now patients can have the choice and option uh, if the protocol is designed in such a manner by the pharmaceutical companies that we want to minimize the burden on patients you know we we don't need the patient to visit the site in person every single time especially when it is really not necessary you know when it's a routine checkup uh, to say whether the patient is safe um, and did the patient have any um, symptoms like headache or known expected uh, symptoms or not or uh, a lot of things can be done through a televisit or through a questionnaire which the patients can fill out on a monthly basis or um, on a daily basis to track their medication if they end up getting a headache or a infection they may take additional medication uh, in in on top of the clinical trial uh, drug and so maintaining a log of all of these medications uh, had to be done with on a piece of paper as well uh, with with uh, a template that is provided by the investigators team now a lot of these uh, are being moved increasingly to the online mode and so uh, pharma industry has been the slowest to go from offline to online in that sense and the pandemic has really accelerated the adoption of this online or app based uh, uh, tracking and monitoring of patients remotely um, and the biggest benefit gary that this enables is we don't just collect the data that we need uh, on on a episodic basis once a month or whatever the frequency is but it also enables the opportunity to collect on a more continuous basis you wow. know between those episodic visits we can collect lot more data points and that can give significant insights on what's going on between those visits instead of 10 data points we now have uh, hundreds or even thousands of data points And and the the importance I could see I'm just thinking about my my son's a doctor he's an ENT and and um you know I got he finally I finally got me an Apple Watch it has all this health demographics blood pressure oxygen levels AFib and all that and all that can be transmitted with the touch of a button to my doctors it's like amazing and I'm sure yeah, exactly. the clinical trials will probably if they have not already done so collect that data as well absolutely and you know there is a, a list of uh, data points and uh, what we call endpoints you know sometimes primary endpoints which are really critical to measure in the context of a clinical trial and others are secondary endpoints which are nice to have to be able to better understand which 
segment of population is responding better or worse and what other adverse events might be going on. And so this kind of a easy data collection on a continuous basis uh, with a click of a button or even automatically from um, the consented patients from their wearable devices and sensors uh, significantly increases the quality on, of the evidence that is being collected. So can you tell our listeners, has this helped in clinical trials across the world that you, all your company has been involved in? Is it helped? It's already starting to help. We are a startup based out of Northern Virginia, and we have been around for the last three and a half years. Wow. And uh, we uh, launched the platform about a year ago uh, and validated the platform in academic medical centers and research studies. Uh, with ultra-rare diseases, uh, we are running patient registries, where, uh, which are usually prerequisites before a actual clinical trial is run. And uh, here in ultra-rare diseases, patients are geographically distributed on a global scale. You know, the numbers might be small for a given rare disease, such as Duchenne muscular dystrophy or a GNE myopathy mm -hmm. or other neuro neuromuscular diseases, which we are currently running. Um, the, uh, for a given disease, the numbers might be a few hundred or a couple thousand, but um, they are distributed in multiple countries. And so the platform needs to be able to scale to different cultures, languages, uh, race, ethnicity, uh, religious calendars, and so on. And that's, that's where we have been in the last year. Now we have launched uh, with two uh, cancer clinical trials with pharmaceutical companies running CAR uh, cell and gene therapy, um, uh, as well as uh, you know, other types of modalities like ointment. Uh, in addition to drugs. Um, so those uh, are getting ramped up as we speak um, wow. at multi multiple centers across the world. Yeah. So so the 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 clinical trial companies, the, those users, uh, probably loving this because it, it simplifies some of their data collection and makes it more simple in doing analysis. Is that true? That's right. Uh, you know, especially in uh, cell and gene therapy, which are usually one-and-done uh, type <laughs> treatment options, uh, where the patient will be required to visit the site during the treatment uh, delivery, but then there is a long-term follow-up to monitor, did the treatment really work? What is the durability of the treatment? Uh, any adverse events that might be happening with the patients? So there is a lot of activity that can be done through remote monitoring uh, over a long period of time. Those are really confusing. Same with the vaccine trials as well. Well, and I think it's it, this is going to be helping individual patient care as well, right? Not just clinical research, right? To explain to us uh, how it can be parlayed to to implement patient care and evaluate patient care. Yeah. So I, I think the the technology platform that we have developed, the Jiva E Clinical Cloud, is currently. Uh, specific to clinical research and clinical trial use, but you are absolutely right. The same technology can be used in the context of care delivery in routine healthcare practice uh, where patients can uh, manage all their data and medical records and the continuous data streams with their physicians from where they are with a single login and it, it's all uh, in one place uh, on the cloud and they can access it from their own device, you know, from a browser. 
So they don't need any special hardware or a special device just for this purpose. They can use their existing device uh, as long as it has a browser and internet access. Um, but pr- predominantly, it means it's a driven by it's a B to B business to business. So uh, a hospital system or a pharma company has to license the software from Jiva. And then all the uh, patients and participants can be onboarded onto the platform through them. So in, in, in layman's terms, you're saying, let's say if a person is being treated for a given diagnosis, principal diagnosis in a, in a hospital or at a clinic, and they can track the outcomes of this individual, he or her, and compare his diagnosis or her diagnosis with people all over the world can see if those kind of good outcomes are related to specific drug medication therapy whatever right yeah that can be i mean that and right is that done today mainly manually i'm sure that a lot of these and this could this could be a a real win-win situation for the healthcare community 100 percent, you know uh, and it's a there is no one-size-fits-all solution here, um, and uh, for every new diagnostic tool um, or methodology, it has to be compared um, uh, between the in-person, in-the-clinic diagnosis versus a remote diagnosis using a new diagnostic methodology, and compare which one is uh, are they uh, equal or one is better than the other? Is the accuracy and error error rates? comparable and acceptable and only then they are actually acceptable from a fda point of view you know uh, we, we can't simply uh, replace a uh, replace every single in-person diagnosis with a remote diagnosis oh. it has to be done on a for indication for disease or whatever is being diagnosed well, hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now, we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Dimes Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Abers Senate Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Hebert's Sending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Kaligas, and I do thank you for taking time to listen to our radio show today. Joining me on my show as a special guest is Dr. Harsha Rajima, who is the CEO of Jiva Informatics, and he's discussing how electronic patient reported outcomes from care and clinical studies can benefit everyone. So thank you, doctor, for taking time from your busy schedule to be on our radio show today. Pleasure to be here. So uh, one thing I'm sure my, my seniors and boomers out there are saying, so... How can we benefit from your technology uh, now or in the future? How will, how will we be able to benefit from this? Uh, essentially, with the increasing and growing adoption of our technology platform, what it enables is faster, cheaper, and better way of executing a clinical study. You know, whether it's a observational data collection study or a interventional drug device or vaccine clinical trial, 
uh, patients will be able to participate in these research studies more frequently, more conveniently from the comfort of their home and the pharmaceutical companies can execute these clinical studies way cheaper uh, and cost-effectively and much faster than they have been able to do brick-and-mortar uh, clinical trials every, where patients had to go to the clinic every single time. And it's better for the environment with the uh, you know savings in the carbon footprint uh, <laughs> reduction as well. And it, That's it, right. We will be killing a bunch everyone. of trees, right, with all those 50 yeah. pages of pages. for. <laughs> that That's is exactly. definitely true. That is definitely true. And, and the other thing, I, I mean, my listeners out there know that I used to be a home care administrator and and uh, and also involved in hospital hospitals. But uh, you know, the least the least times you don't have to go into those clinics and hospitals, you there's a possibility of you catching something, right, Doc? Because there's so many things that are, I mean, I hate to say not COVID, but there are other diseases and other factors that once you're in there, they can scrub everything down, but they're not going to kill every particular germ or a situation. So the least times you have to go back to those clinics for those person-to-person, face-to-face examination part of a clinical trial, the better you better off are you, right? 100%. You know, it's a lot more safer that you don't get exposed, uh, especially the vulnerable populations who may have a, a, a poorer immune system uh, to stay away from hospital infections and other patients who may be carrying other germs and stuff as well. And, uh, you know, you, when the patients had to go in person to the clinic, we, we have a, something interesting, Gary, called the parking lot syndrome here, <laughs> uh, which is uh, if, if it was a one uh, monthly visit, uh, the patients were expected to maintain a log of all their medication, and you know, if they forgot to take a dose uh, here and there, they were supposed to maintain a log of all that uh, or other symptoms and any other change in their routine. You know, uh, how many alcoholic beverages they drank or uh, other things, and they were not logging this on a daily basis. Um, uh, a majority of them, they would come into the uh, clinical visit once a month, sit in the parking lot fill out all the chart for the entire 30 days and then walk straight into the clinic. And so now, you know, how, how well do I remember what I ate or drank or when did I miss the medication last week? Um, I, I, my memory is not that great and no. most people's are not. And so That's that true. was a problem. So probably unreliable yes. data, but if they could do it on a daily basis or a weekly basis and go online, be be very simple, right? Exactly. Now, that, I could see the greatly better. I love you talking about the parking lot center because even, even well, when COVID started, I mean, more of us, when we had to go visit the doctor or the clinic, we stayed in our car until we were called to make that one trip to go into the clinic or into the hospital or in the outpatient area to avoid being uh, uh, contagious or bringing, if we had COVID or whatever, into the into the uh, into the office there. So I mean, I love your your factor the, the the parking lot. And likewise, we fill out all the paperwork in the car with our our spousal unit or loved one or caregivers. So that was the other. It was. I can't say that it was hardly unreadable because we're all writing on our laps in some of these major documents that we had to fill out occasionally. Yeah, exactly. And the other